If you could share one big idea to change the future of education, what would it be? In our One Big Idea series on Future of School, the podcast, we'll hear from a diverse array of education stakeholders, from parents and educators to longtime industry leaders who will share their bold proposals to transform teaching and learning in the United States. Together, we'll amplify one another's unique perspectives, consider new solutions, and above all, make sure every voice is included in the conversation. Welcome to another episode of our Future of School podcast mini-series, One Big Idea. Today, we're honored to hear from Dan Dominich, Executive Director of AASA, the School Superintendents Association. Dan, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. Let's dive right in. What is your big idea? So here's a big idea. I would like to blow up K-12 education not blow up in the blow up sense, <laughs> but really uh, to change dramatically a school system that really unfortunately dates back to the industrial age and even before that. Here we are a quarter of the way, uh, almost into the 21st century. And we're still doing uh, things like grouping kids by how old they are and grade levels, uh, which definitely is a throwback to the early 20th century. Uh, we still have a calendar uh, that makes no sense. And so many of, uh, of the changes that are necessary stood out during this pandemic, uh, which we see as a great opportunity to really make a dive forward. It's a great opportunity not to go back to the way things were, but rather to move forward to the way schools should be. And so uh, we actually uh, put together at AASA a position paper on this. It's entitled An American Imperative, A New Vision for Public Schools. And it's getting a pretty strong following from many organizations around the country. So we were hoping that we can establish the kinds of collaborations with other organizations that will allow a lot of these changes to take place. And, And there are many, many changes that we can definitely focus on. That is a big idea. And what is awesome about it is that you already have a framework behind it and underneath that. So you you have a big idea that has a skeleton of how to, how to make that happen. And I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's great to have ideas, but where does the action underneath it that brings those to fruition? Exactly. And, and, and really one of the biggest changes really is in terms of the culture of education. Uh, our, uh, our culture for education right now focuses totally on the academics. And there's nothing wrong with that because the purpose of school originally has been to teach uh, kids reading, writing, and arithmetic. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, that's not the way it works anymore. The academics are clearly important, but for years we've been complaining about this achievement gap that continues to exist between the haves and the have-nots. We complain about the fact that not, not all students are performing at the level that we want them to be performing. Yet we continue to do the same things over and over again and see really no improvement. And the reason we don't is because we have an educational system that does not focus on the holistic child, that only focuses on one element. uh, And and that's the problem. And again, the pandemic uh, is showing us uh, the major changes and the impact that this pandemic has had on children uh, in terms of their social and emotional needs. And the research tells us clearly that if a child comes to us and uh, they are, there are issues in that child's life, 
that affect that child, he's not going to be able to learn. Uh, in order for that child to be able to learn, the social emotional factors have to be in place. So when we have children that come to school hungry, as many do, they're not paying attention. If we have children that come to school with an abusive background in the home, they're not going to be learning. If we have children that come to us with emotional or other issues, as we know there's so many, and we don't address those issues, they're not going to learn. So the first and most important element of this is to change the culture, to focus on the whole child, not just their academic achievement. And by the way, we see that already being implemented to some extent by superintendents around the country. I have actually seen videos of superintendents addressing their teachers and saying, when our children come back to school now, don't tell them, open the book to page 54. Mm -hmm. The first thing you need to say is, how are you doing? How are things at home? How did you fare uh, through this pandemic? What has your experience been? And deal with the children and listen to their issues and their concerns and their problems before you dive into the academics. And that's a perfect example of what we're talking about in terms of the holistic child. It's almost as if we need version two or maybe a version five, I don't know what's been done in between then and now, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs for mm -hmm. K-12 students. Exactly, exactly. And so that focus then, beyond that, we go to uh, the, the organizational. Uh, I mean, really, uh, we know that uh, in spite of their ages, not all children, not all uh, eight-year-olds learn at the same rate or nine-year-old or whatever the age. Uh, there's a huge difference, yet we still group the kids in terms of how old they are. And we see the difference in their abilities right there. And then teachers that will uh, lecture an entire class, the same topic at the same time. And then we wonder why a third of the class is totally out of it. A third of the class at the other end are saying, I'm bored. I already know this. And the instruction seems to focus on the middle. Uh, well, when it focuses on the middle, two thirds of the class are really not involved in what's going on. So the notion of individualizing, personalizing instruction so that every child, and by the way, the technology is now available to do that. Every child is taught from where they're at and you move forward and not necessarily as a group, although group instruction does have a part in this, but not all day, okay? And so in personalizing education is another factor. Uh, the school calendar, my God, what happened to the school calendar this year? It was blown up, right? I mean, uh, there are school districts that are now beginning to send kids to school in person for the first time, and the school year is almost over. So the school calendar is a problem. We talk about loss of learning, yet every year when we give the kids two months off during the summer months, guess what happens? Loss of learning. By the time they come to school for the new year in September, the first month, the teacher is just trying to catch up uh, in, in what uh, was the last thing that they were instructed on at the end of the previous year. So we're beginning to look at year-round year calendars. Uh, the fact that instruction can only take place in the school, well, what did remote learning do to that? Admittedly, that there were issues with remote learning during the pandemic. It wasn't as good as it can be or should be uh, because districts were not ready for it. But the reality is that learning can take place anywhere, not just in the classroom. So children can learn at home, children can learn in the park, children can learn while they're on vacation, if they get online with remote learning becoming an important component, and it will be. We're already seeing school districts around the country saying just that, 
that uh, for this coming school year, guess what? There's going to be percentage of our students that are asking, the parents are asking, and the students want to remain, remain on remote learning, and they're going to comply. They're going to allow that to happen. But as we talk about accelerated learning, the summer months, the coming year, in order to accelerate learning, you need more time. You can't just cram it all into the same period of time. That doesn't work. We know that. You need more time. So remote learning is perfect. You, over the summer, after school, during vacation periods, all of these times when youngsters can go online and catch up or accelerate in terms of their mm -hmm. learning. So these are all uh, you know, critical changes that if they take place, uh, it will make a big difference in, in our education system. Absolutely. And I have a two-part question, which might be addressed in the report that you just published, but for our listeners, do you think overall that our society understands why transformation in K-12 education is so critically important? And I'm defining society as parents, educators, uh, taxpayers, business owners. Do you think our country understands that this is, this is urgent, this is paramount? No, they don't. Uh, and that's another education process. You know, we all went to school and we all say, well, this is how school should be. This is how it was when I went to school. Well, when I went to school, uh, it's a long time ago, and that's definitely not how things should be. And we have seen changes uh, taking place, but not enough uh, to actually make a difference. So our first task really is to do an education uh, program for parents uh, so that they understand what the issues are and support it, because it, the, the impact of it will be greater. And another uh, big problem is dealing with our uh, government uh, agencies. Uh, a perfect example of that right now is the issue of uh, testing and assessments. We see that, uh, for example, the, the education department uh, wants the assessments to continue, the evaluations to continue, and they do that because there's a significant portion of elected officials that want that. They uh, they feel that school systems have to be held accountable. And they also say that we need to know where the youngsters are at now so we can move them forward. And yes, that's true. But the reality is that uh, the, the tests that are administered, the standardized tests that are administered, takes months for that information to come back. And when it comes back, it's in the next school year already. It doesn't help the teacher uh, when these youngsters coming to school immediately to understand where the kids are at. They won't, don't have that information. That information isn't gonna to come till much later. So assessments ought to be designed to inform instruction so that the teachers know where, when we talked about individualizing instruction, we want to know where every child is at and begin the instructional process for that child from that point forward. Not to repeat something they already know, or not to try to teach something that they can't possibly understand because they don't have the base of knowledge. So these are all major changes that have to take place in the system to make it uh, better for the kids primarily, because the, the, we will see very quickly that that achievement gap can be reduced if, if not totally ignored or wiped out. Uh, if we are providing each child with instruction at the point that they're at and move forward and not make time the issue. We know that not everybody can learn the same idea in a week. It may take a child a month. It may take a child the first hour. 
to understand and learn the concept. So we all learn at different rates. We need to bring that into how instruction takes place in our schools uh, to recognize that children require different amount of time to learn particular concepts and go with that. And again, the technology allows this to happen when uh, before the technology, of course, teachers could not possibly teach individually each and every child. But now with the technology, it can happen. For sure. Well, what I love about what you said is that you have the framework at, at this the at ASA and at Future of School. We're amplifying this national education program to tell people and inform them about why change is needed and to have them challenge some assumptions they may have made. Like you said, use my example. You know, when I was in school, you hear when I was in school, I walked uphill both ways in my brother's shoes. Times have changed and educate the system has to change now too. So I look forward to reading an American Imperative, the report that you've published. Any last, you know, less than a minute or so words of wisdom for our listeners? Only that, you know, to your point, uh, it's a major change and it's going to require educating uh, the population uh, so that people understand why these changes are needed and to convince them uh, that they will work best and much better uh, than the way our system works today. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and the work you're doing now. And we look forward to collaborating with you in the future, Dan. Thank you for listening to Future of School, the podcast. What's your one big idea to transform education? Connect with us on social media or on our website, www.futureof.school to share. And if you're one of our listeners enjoying the podcast on Apple, we hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review to help more people find the show. 